0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Literacy View. We are celebrating New Year's Eve together with a countdown of the most irritating, (laughs) annoying phrases in education tonight. Um, I'm here with my co-host Judy Boxner. I'm Faith Borkowski, and we are going to do a countdown. And what's really exciting is. Many of you contributed to the words and phrases that irritate you. We put it out on Twitter, we put it on Facebook, and we got a huge response from lots of people on Twitter in particular. And we have over 60 words and phrases. We will pick some of them to talk about and others will just run through quickly. So let's get started, Judy, ready? I don't hear you, <laughs> faith. Your horn is dead. All right, let's get started. First one on the list: dun, 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 dun. Science of Reading (S.O.R.). Now, some of you might be thinking, "Why would she even put that on the list?" Well, I'm not the only one. Other people also find it irritating. Many of whom believe in evidence-based practices. So it's not a question of believing in evidence-based practices. It's really how it's being used. I don't like every time I see, oh, um, I do S-O-R. You don't do the science of reading. That doesn't even make sense. Judy, what do you think? Oh, you said Lucy's favorite phrase. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) Well, that's another one who's on the list, but she's Right.
1: (laughs) Right. So science of reading, listen. I think it's an important word to think about. I think wherever you are on your learning journey and literacy, and we're all in different places, but we're all trying to do one thing, and that's to help kids. But that term SOR, like over and over and over again, I keep picturing, like, who are these scientists? Where are they? Are they in a lab coat? How the hell do I figure out who they all are and who to trust? So, you know, I just want to know. I just want to know, how do I make sure that everything is aligned with evidence? And that's what I'm going to deep, deep, dig in deeper into in 2023, part of my New Year's resolution.
0: Okay. Well, I think, as you said, how do you know? I mean, as far as looking at the research and looking at peer-reviewed research and, and journals, there's a way to find out. But the way it's being used, I think, is just um really irritating right now. You know, picture
1: you, you know, Faith, and picture like people that just graduated college. This is their third or fourth year in the classroom. They don't have time to go home and say, oh my God, is this is this okay? Is this not okay? I think systems and structures have to really be put into place that teachers aren't struggling to find the right resources. To help best support our students.
0: Well, I also think even the term scares people, like you say, science of reading, it seems really heavy and it seems elitist in my mind. And, you know, the term is really elitist. It's really, in my mind, it's just, you know what, this is the way we teach kids because it's the way they learn. The end, instead of building this up with this title, The Science of Reading.
1: I agree with you. I think it's a little bit, I think in general, the literacy world is a little bit divisive right now. And you think I'm (laughs) going to say a word and you might not like it. And a lot of people don't like it. But yes, I consider myself a literacy centrist.
0: Oh, here we go. If that was on the list of one of those irritating words. So somebody from Twitter said it. And you know what? I get it. Here's why. Because what does centrist equal? In my mind, it equals balanced. And you know what? Balanced is on the list. Balance and balanced literacy because people feel it's just, you're not committing to doing anything that shows that there's evidence behind what you do. You're saying basically, hmm, I believe in some of these practices, but I'm still going to hold on to what I've always done. And so where are you in that? That's what I think is interpreted. Your thoughts. Thank you. Okay. That was a
1: BS button. Okay. Yeah. I got the more expensive version. It says like a couple of uh, phrases or different forms of bullshit. But anyway, I disagree. And I think that's part of why I think our podcast is a little bit different than others. I feel like the literacy world is so divided. There's the balanced literacy people, and then there's the SOR people, and every day it's the chatter, and everybody's fighting. I feel 100% confident that many methods that I used a couple of years ago aligned clearly with the science of reading. So why do I have to feel that, Poof, no more? Oh, Conan boxes they align with the science of reading. Why am I going to say goodbye? Practicing phrasing and fluency and um things like that that's
0: also aligned with the science, and, and it is, and it is. So, so why am I so that's how I see it. No, well, I think you know what? I here's what I think I think that. This whole balance literacy side, and I can't stand the whole idea of side. I hate I it. I hate it. I hate but it. But the it. balance literacy proponents, um, I think co-opted the word balance. And balance now has come to mean all the things that are not evidence-based. So right. I think when you know you look at the word centrist, center, balance. It all kind of gets lumped together. So we just covered centrist, balance, balance literacy, all in one shot. <laughs> all right, Faith.
1: So I'm going to put you on the spot right here. Okay. To have a better okay. name for somebody like me.
0: Uh, somebody who is a thoughtful teacher who does her research and makes sure that she is doing um, what she should be doing. Call it what you thank will That's what you. I guess. That's what I think. Okay, All right, so let's keep so it now, coming. I'm going to um, get to the next one. And this one is an F bomb. So if people don't hear the F bomb, turn it off. But it's the word fidelity. Ooh. I
1: can't, I can't stand it. I hate when people say that word. And some of these administrators
0: opponents of the program and they're like, follow. Here's your checklist. Yeah. Well, you know, I think um, it's funny because when I first heard that word being used with education, I thought it was a weird word. You know, to me, fidelity is when you're in a marriage with somebody. Right. (laughs) You're not cheating. (laughs) That's fidelity. But um, no, but this is in education. It means that you're following the program as it was designed. So anybody who's not a teacher out there listening, you're a parent, that's what they mean. That the teacher is following a program to the T and really delivering it and implementing it with all the parts, the way it was designed. But people can't stand that word. It came up, I think about six or seven times where that was on someone's list. Why do you think people hate that word so much? Me? You're asking me? Yeah, yeah, I'm asking you.
1: Who else all right, is right so that me? was one of the words. So you know what, I'll be honest with you. First of all, fidelity is something you have to be very careful with, right? If you're following a poorly designed program that's not evidence-based then your administrator is saying, follow it with fidelity, A, that could be problematic, right? But then there's also like other programs that are aligned with the science and so forth. And I think- Sometimes it's really overwhelming for a teacher to always be told it has to be perfect. Fidelity sometimes feels like perfect. Mm, And it's very hard. Like sometimes administrators will come in with a fidelity checklist and they're marking on the checklist. And that could be really stressful. We get that things should be shown to students the right way. But when you take it as a tool to not be supportive and make somebody feel so uncomfortable, it could be destructive.
0: Good point. Good point. I like that. Yep. So that's probably why the F word came up a lot. <laughs> all right. By the way,
1: hey, can I just chime in? This is just for all the viewers. This is my champagne glass. There is not
0: alcohol in here. It's seltzer. <laughs> Take a drink. All right. Next one, Lucy. So <laughs> just. You know, not your favorite. here's Lucy. That name came up. And so, um, and not Lucy Hawkins, just Lucy. So I feel really bad if somebody has that name, Lucy, we really, it's not anything personal.
1: It's not from the show.
0: I love Lucy either. <laughs> no. It's, um, you know, just that name triggers something now. You know, that's just the way it is. All right, next one on the list. Wait, I, can I go back on that one? Yes, go ahead.
1: So, you know, my partner, Paul, he often listens to The Literacy View and he's like, Judy, that name Lucy, it comes up every episode like 50 times. He said it should become like a drinking game that every time somebody says Lucy, you should do shots. Lucy, oh, you, you, have you had the champagne. champagne. All right, let's do it now. Here's to Lucy. I don't know about that. You're going to get a
0: lot of people not happy with you. Take that back. Take that back. All right. Next one. Sight words. All right, This came from my husband. He hates sight words. He hates the idea of sight words. He just thinks um, that is one of the worst things that ever happened. Just having kids memorize a bunch of words. And he sees um, how kids go down the wrong path. And I'm sure other people would put sight words on the list. What do you think?
1: Uh, Faith, can you tell our viewers out there what the definition of sight words is, just in case, so,
0: because like we yeah. want
1: everybody on the okay. same page.
0: All right, so sight words, sometimes called high-frequency words, sometimes called Dolch words. These are just words that are everyday words that kids are expected to just look at and know. But now we know that kids really don't learn that way by just flashing words in front of them, that the way they really learn how to recognize words and spell these high-frequency words is through the sounds in the words and matching it with letters and letters to sounds, that it works both ways, and that's that orthographic mapping piece, right? But then there are some... um, you know, letter combinations that don't happen as often. And that's why in the past it was thought, all right, kids should just memorize because they're just too hard to learn through sounding out. But what we're seeing now, it is um, recommended that we teach all words through sound symbol. And then we work on those words a little bit more where need be, but not to the point where we're just flashing words. All right, I don't hear you. You're talking. I don't hear you. Go ahead. nope, you're you're off. Fix your sound. Sorry, audience. While well, Judy is fixing, all right, now you're mute. Okay, are you on? Let me hear. Nope, I don't hear you. All right, while she is fixing, I am going to go to the next one. And that would be on the list, know better, do better. So this came up a couple of times. And I also kind of sometimes think, all right, there are plenty of people who do know better and do better. Once they know the right way, they change practice. But there are plenty of other people that um, know the right thing and they continue to still do what's comfortable to do uh, what they've learned from years ago, and don't want to bother changing. So we'd like to think that people, when they know better, they do better, but they don't always do it. Judy, are you ready now? You are muted. Turn off your mute. No, you're still muted. You got to turn off the mute. Okay. Nope, you're still muted. No, you're muted. Sorry. All right. I'm going to keep going. Hopefully, Judy comes back with us. All right. Next one is automaticity. So, this came from uh, a parent, and um, her name is Ashley. We had her on the show. Faith,
1: I think I'm okay now. You are okay. Sorry, viewers. I okay. have a good speaker, but. It didn't work well for a minute. Sorry. Okay.
0: <laughs> You're back. Yeah, All right, let me just backtrack a minute. I just covered sight words. No better, do better. Wait, can I say
1: something about sight words? And uh, my pet peeve, trick words. We know a lot of programs use that word. That's it. Change it from trick words. Not everything in a trick word is tricky. Let's talk about the parts that are phonetic. Mm-hmm. Like in a word like here, the H is not tricky. Yeah. Why aren't we looking at each part and capitalizing on the known and then working with
0: that orthographic mapping on the parts that are unknown? Yeah. And even that kind of word could easily be mapped. I, but I know what you mean. There are other words probably that yeah. would be a little more difficult. All right. So then we had no better, do better. Any comments on no better, do better? It's annoying. <laughs> that's like, that's like, what I was just saying. That I would think that a majority of people that are
1: really invested in literacy, like you, myself, and most of the teachers out there, I think we've all been shifting for a while now. I don't think that you know. I think Emily Hanford did a fantastic job, and her work is critical. But Faith, you wrote that book. That's right behind you, right? This kind of work was going on before too. So some of us have been working in the field really hard. make those shifts. So
0: it's a little annoying when we keep hearing, we know a little better. Now we want more solutions. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking that, you know, I've been at this for a very long time. I was part of reading first. That evidence was around for over 20 years now, way over 20 years. And I could tell you we're still in the same spot because even though people did know better along the way, they chose to kind of change a little bit, not enough. They threw in some pieces. They didn't take out others. So you know what? That no better, do better doesn't always cut it with me. All right. Then we were up to the word automaticity. Your thoughts? Yeah, I love, love it. that word. Yeah. I love
1: it. I love it. I love it. I don't know why. I just love it. Mm-hmm. I love it because basically my feeling is as practitioners or teachers, we want our kids not to struggle. We want things to be automatic for them so yeah, that that's the word
0: automatic. In only the and this is what my I'm husband said. My husband thought it's an, a dumb teacher construct. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because he's like, so what do you mean? Like they should know it automatically. That's the word that most people use. Oh, you you should know this automatically, right? No, and they, they should be is- out of work automaticity he's like well what what or you know what is that and some people just they roll their eyes but there is a word automaticity and it really means just freeing up the brain power right you know when things go so smoothly that there's room for other things but that word gets under people's skin I'm just telling you it's on the list No,
1: it's one of my favorite words because that's my goal is to make sure that any student that I work with, any teacher that I work with that, you know, it's the gradual release. They need to fly like an eagle
0: and hopefully their skills will be automatic, right? Yeah, you hope, you hope. All right, here we go. Let's get to the next one. And that is a mini lesson. Okay, this one, I stick my fingers down my throat, okay? I just, I so do something, blow your horn to feel better. Push your button, do something, Faith, go for it. I do not like that really? real mini lesson. You know, I kind of see it that, okay, the teacher has such a small part in this and then the kids are just free to go and do their own thing that they're off, they're ready to fly. And you know what? In my mind, it just reminds me, that the worst of the balanced literacy idea that the teacher is kind of like the guide on the side instead of really taking center stage and running the room and really teaching those kids more than just doing a mini lesson and expecting those kids, including struggling readers to just be able to do everything. That's just the impression I get. I cannot stand that term mini lesson.
1: I think I hate it a little less than you do. I I definitely know. I've seen it around in classrooms for a long time and you know, some classrooms have moved away from that term and some have not. I think in a way I kind of retrained my brain to think about it as the gradual release model, which is scientific. I show you how to do something, we yeah. practice together, yeah. we might need to practice again.
0: But Let well, me where's speak. the where's the practice? Here's the mini lesson. And now you're going, but, not, but, no, but it's groups. And then the teacher does a group and it's no, no. Oh, I'm really? showing you how to
1: do something. We're. I'm showing you, I'm thinking out loud. I'm going and going and going. Now we're going to try it together. Whether you're sitting with a friend next to you or the teacher, you're coming up to the teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing, I'm rotating the room. I'm seeing how everybody's doing on their dry erase boards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then, I see a lot of nonsense going
0: around. A lot. When I'm, right? when I'm in a room, hey, let
1: me finish. Oh, okay, I'll let you finish, but you're not there. You're not convinced Then me. your little birdies fly to the, you know, independent work, and you're supposed hmm. to still be rotating the room, giving
0: feedback. Feedback's on the list. How, how do you give feedback to thirty kids in a that's room? Very hard. It's Okay, right. let's that's, let's let's talk about this. That's later. a good con- uh, so, conversation. So you're not giving feedback to all those kids. When they're on their own, some of them have the books upside down. Some oh, of yes. them are doing things that have nothing to do with really moving the lesson forward or f- having them learn it any better. That's my feeling. All right, all right. next one. I love this one. This do one really? came... I'm Coming up, the next one. This one came from a journalist who was following this and um, she writes for Heckinger and I think her name is um, oh goodness I don't have it down here. I have it. You have,
1: I have it? it. I have it. Hold on.
0: Let me see. Her Liz, Liz, Liz Willen? Willen. Liz Willen. There yeah. it is. Liz Willen. I'm sorry Liz. Let's be intentional. That's what she put down. Let's be intentional. And I laughed so because I do think that's an irritating phrase. Let's be intentional. Why? Yes. So yes. what do you so you mean you're not when you're when you're trying to plan a lesson? What are you doing? Yes. You're just throwing throwing it against the wall and hoping it'll stick? I mean, what's what does that mean? Oh, let's be intentional. Aren't you always, always intentional? intentional?
1: Yeah, I guess I guess the the bottom line is we're not all schmucks out here. We're really we're really trying our best. Faith, can we toast to that one? Okay, let's be no, intentional. We both don't like that word. Wait, I, I oh I tried to do okay. yeah
0: click. All right, next all one right. on the list. Here's one that came also from Twitter, and I love this one too. This is a great one. That's the way I learned and I turned out fine. That's the way I learned and I turned out fine. Here's what I say to that. (laughs) (laughs) That is absolutely irritating. That's the way I learned and I turned out fine. Well, good for you. I'm so happy you're okay doing something that doesn't work for 60% of the kids out there, but it worked for you. Well, that's wonderful. <laughs> Just, that's I'm with crazy. you, Faith. I'm with you, Faith. Okay. I'm glad we both agree on that. Here's another one. Here's a fun one. Let's unpack the standards. The oh, word so unpack, right. So that, uh, uh, that's an, uh, right. Let's unpack the standards. So I picture let's pull it apart, let's tease it, and let's really dig in deep and unpack those standards. Unpack the standards. It's such a pompous ass thing to say. Let's unpack the standards. I don't know. There's something about that. Not even the word unpack, but unpack the standards. In in that phrase is just so annoying. I agree
1: with you, and I've actually seen teachers unpacking so much because they're so paranoid about always having the standards all over the place. Boys and girls, we're going to do standard 7.1 now, and tomorrow we're going to unpack 7.2. The kids don't want to know the number of the damn standard. Good (laughs) teaching is good
0: teaching. Exactly. Exactly. I I don't get that at all. Well, they're just
1: trying their best, though. It's the system sometimes, you know?
0: No, I... I understand. I'm just saying that that phrase to me. And again, everything we're saying, I'm sure I say the same things. I'm sure I will say it in 2023. We're just having fun here. So I hope no one's taking it personally. It's just funny to kind of look at some of this. You know, in teaching, we have a lot of acronyms. IEP, RTI. PPT. Yeah, a million acronyms. IEP. And the rest of the world looks at this and they're thinking, what, what is this? You know, it's You wanted to throw an F-bomb out there. I did. I really did. I was almost there, but I held back. Anyhow, (laughs) moving on, here's an irritating one. COVID Uh learning loss. Oh, Oh, God. I I can't take it. COVID. There you go. I didn't hear a thing. Yours is dead. I'll do it. It's
1: annoying. It's really annoying <laughs> because guess what? So many of these problems existed before COVID. Oh, my goodness. This has been a problem for a very long time. And yes, unfortunately, COVID did have an impact on some of our kids, uh, especially the kids in first grade or kindergarten. Yes,
0: it did. but it's it an did. excuse for everything now, everything, right. every right. problem. Oh, it's COVID. Right. COVID, it's COVID, it's COVID. And yes, it it, it it exacerbated what already was there. It didn't didn't just pop up. You know, that's what just, oh, I can't
1: stand that phrase. <laughs> Emily sold the story kind of like had one of the parents speak that said, you know what? I didn't know what the hell was going on in that classroom. But then those Zooms started and that's where parents started to see, wait a minute, what's going on? Yes. That's how you're teaching my kid how to read. So right. I a picture. That's not okay. So I guess that's maybe the silver lining that came now. But yeah, we got to. We can't make excuses. It's time to get those
0: kids reading. Yeah, I'm writing. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so this one kind of ties. Uh, there, there were three different people who said things, but it all has to do with student and learner, and they are. Student centered, learners autonomy, and student ownership. <laughs> there you go. Honestly, that's a
1: <laughs>
0: really that honestly, that whole thing student centered, student ownership, learners autonomy kind of like, come on, really. When you're a teacher, isn't everything you do for the student a so, thousand or one percent? Well, what about when somebody will come into
1: a classroom and then they're watching the teacher? Oh, only two children raise their hand. Oh, one child looked this way.
0: One child looked that way. Student engagement's not there. Like, come on. Really? Like, come on. Yes. And, you know, this whole idea of putting the kids, you know, in the center, like the focus is on the kids. Of course, it's always on the kids. So the, the, I know what it means. I'm, you know, I'm being facetious. I know what it means that basically they should have the time to discover and do these things. But again, it goes back to minimizing the teacher's role in the classroom, handing it over and saying, "Here, kids, teach yourselves." I mean, it's ridiculous to me. That's right
1: ridiculous yes teacher uh, students need a great model they might need multiple models the gradual release model doesn't always go as planned sometimes you got to model it again and sometimes you got to model it again or sometimes you got to give more practice with the independent part yeah what do you think of whole child <laughs> the whole child it's a little annoying it's in every mission
0: statement uh, to a school te- the teach the whole child. child. Well, no, I'm gonna teach your arm. I'm gonna teach your leg. No, I'm a, the, the whole what? child. Yeah. I know. I guess it's I know. looking at it at more holistically. I, know, I get it. I get the whole. I know. I get the whole thing. The whole. I use that word a thing. lot. Do you use that word a lot? No, but I see it all the time. The whole child. Not my favorite. And I know it means to take in everything. You're not just looking at one thing, taking who they are, their self-esteem. their And, and of course, if you're a good that's teacher, important. you value all those things. So I kind of would like to see whole child go, bye-bye. Adios. All right, next one, adios. Best practices. I love that one. I Baby, know you know that do. One, that's a Judy special. <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. It's very important because it moves away from just thinking this program, that program, this program, that. No per, no program is perfect. Some are way better than others. Some are clearly aligned with evidence. But, you know, whatever you're doing, even if your school's not doing the best program right now and you feel like you're lost, you always have the chance to model using best practices, right? Okay. It might not be as
0: wonderful or but, it might not be- But as you said- Everyone thinks they do best practices. If you ask people on this side, and again, the sides, but like the balanced literacy proponents on that side, they would say they are doing best practices. So it's like my best practices are better than your best practices. <laughs> I don't know. There's you know, know how about I feel it, it
1: balance. I think the big problem with balance was that the balance looked very different in many schools, in many boroughs, in many districts. It didn't look the same. It wasn't uniform. So some people probably had a stronger phonics component and some probably had diddly squat.
0: But who decides on best practices? I mean, who, who, you know, you're a tiara. So now because you, Judy, have a tiara, you're allowed to say. Well, well, we all follow the research, right? We all see what's happening. We know that. But you know what? Ask When Ken Goodman said, my science is different, that's what people are saying out there. They think that what they believe is best practice. So it's really hard to have a discussion when everyone thinks what they're doing is best practices. I think
1: probably, I don't know, we should take a poll. But I think a majority of people working with kids now have shifted to looking at words rather than the picture would you agree okay but
0: i'm just talking about the the general um thought of not just pictures but you know people will say queuing or reading for meaning or making meaning that was actually on the list making meaning which that drives me crazy too because when you're making meaning what does that really mean the kid is taking his his or her own experiences in And if it doesn't make sense to him, it's going to make it fit, even if the words on the page don't work. So, yes, we all want to read and make sense of what we read. We lift the words off the page to understand what is being said. But this idea of making meaning um, makes kids read words that are not even there because they want it to fit in with their own um, paradigm. So, moving on. Uh, Here we go. How about, we said Lucy already. Oh, this is a good one. Mom or parent being referred to at an IEP meeting when they're sitting right there, such as um, the mom wants this service and the mom is sitting right at the table. What do you think of that? Cringy. Mom has
1: a name. Mom is an active participant in what happens for his or her child and should be given the respect and knowledge. And um, schools have to become transparent with showing the data, explaining what's going on. And you want to know what one of my pet peeves is.
0: Oh, your kid is a level A. Okay. What the hell is that telling the parent? Well, oh, that don't even get me started on that. The whole you know, your kid is a level this, that I don't even, that's another, that's Did a, that come itself. but this idea of um, the mom wants this and the mom is sitting across the table at right. a P meeting. I. It's so rude. And so, of course, a parent mentioned that, right? And that was Ashley again. Ooh, uh, we had ooh, Ashley ooh. on And I would absolutely agree with that, that that is just um, really rude. And um, like the it's almost trying to set the stage where the parent is less than at the meeting instead of an equal partner at the meeting and referring to that person by name. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So moving on uh let's see from this list oh here's something the five pillars oh I knew it was coming (laughs) I knew it I knew it I love that one but one of our guests didn't love it as much as I do hey Natalie Natalie Wexler what do you think of the five pillars (laughs) she doesn't like it I like it okay well again it's um it's something that's been around for a long time. It was from the National Reading Panel. And as we know, comprehension was one of the pillars, but really comprehension is made up of all these other pieces. Right. And thought that it's one of the pillars along with fluency and vocabulary and phonemic, phonemic awareness and phonics, that, um and you know, the decoding that, Basically, that it, it's just a piece of it when really that's what we aim for, the whole thing, including writing, which wasn't even part of um, the pillars, right? So some people do not like that experience. I love it. I it's- think it's really important because I I know that
1: most people know that we're doing more than just phonics, mm-hmm. but I, there's some people that might be confused that this is phonics only and we can't make that mistake in order for students to be successful, the research and evidence says that they need to be strong in fluency. Mm-hmm. Wrong, uh, phonemic awareness needs to be strengthened, right? Comprehension. These are all pieces of the puzzle, right? But, but I think the problem was that for a very, very, very long time, we didn't make, and I don't know if I'm speaking about everybody, I can't say that, but decoding wasn't prioritized looking at the word and knowing how words work wasn't a priority and it wasn't taught as the first course of action for many kids when it probably should have been.
0: Yeah, but I think her pet peeve is this idea that the comprehension shouldn't be a pillar in that. And that really, it's an outcome of having all those other parts. And having the content knowledge the background knowledge the vocabulary and obviously being able to lift the words up off the page that that is what you get eventually is kids will comprehend instead of it being a pillar
1: but you know, it's still a very important pillar because like read alouds that's not happening it's not the end game right it's happening throughout the you know literacy block and kids are working on comprehension skills within it so mm-hmm. i think seeing it as only an outcome is Possibly problematic or very problematic in my opinion.
0: It doesn't irritate me, but anyway, that's just, now here's a word you mentioned.
1: Is it one of my favorite or least favorite?
0: Rigor. <laughs> so damn annoying. <laughs> Why it's is Peter it annoying? Open.
1: All right. We're having a professional development. What we need now is more questioning and discussion and we need to see more rigor. They'll come in during a phonics lesson. Oh, this is not rigorous enough. You know what? It's rigorous. Second grade concepts that are phonics based are really, really rigorous. Knowing how words work and the syllable types, it's really, really rigorous. I would love to see a lot of people in literacy, admins included, taking a little content, uh, a a little uh, quiz on all those concepts. And then they have the right to say this is not rigorous enough when we see their scores.
0: Well, apparently rigor is your trigger. I can't stand it. (laughs) It's annoying. Okay. So going down the list, here are some of the other ones and we could talk about them a little bit more, but let's see. We already mentioned some at the top. What about differentiation? You have any thoughts on that? What about you? I mean, I get it. I get how annoying it is because we're always differentiating. Why do you have to tell us to differentiate? It's part of what we do all the time. I think it's definitely, it's kind of annoying. It has to be in every lesson plan
1: every single time. And I think it sometimes becomes problematic when we think that kids can't succeed and we set a lower bar. I've seen some places do tiering. Mm -hmm. as their differentiation okay you're gonna have a sentence stem and you're going to have to only write one word and you're only gonna have to write two words so is that really helping all students you know be the best that they can be I'm not so sure and it's kind of demeaning like you know kids are very smart they know if they're always in the tier that's the struggling tier they get it very quickly I don't care if it's called leveling or tiering or differentiation
0: kids know well, my feeling is, and I've always felt this way, that people don't truly understand what that even means to differentiate. That's right. When you give level books, you're not differentiating anything, really. the The books are different. There are lower levels, higher levels. That's not differentiating instruction. It's supposed to be changing up the instruction and giving scaffolds, giving supports for kids to be able to meet grade level work. But what people think of as differentiation sometimes is just watered down nonsense in these lower level books. Right. So you, don't have, you don't have to read a word.
1: You could just write one letter and you're fine. No. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not the idea.
0: All right. So moving on, we have teachers college. Well, again, that goes along with Lucy. What do you think? <laughs> it's, it's, that's, we've talked about it so much. I don't know what else we could say. I right don't now. even know what else to say. All right authentic. This is something that's nails against the chalkboard. Really? Authentic books. So, okay, I know what it means, different from decodable books. And, but really, honestly, like authentic, it's a book. And yes, some books are richer than others with language and storyline. But I don't know, there's something about that, that just kind of grates at me. I don't know why. <laughs> okay, you don't have thoughts on it? We'll move on. All I right. mean, I didn't throw
1: out all my leveled books. I didn't. I didn't. I still have some. When the kids are ready, they can read nice,
0: fun books.
1: Okay. There's
0: great stories to be read. And but those aren't authentic either. What's so authentic about some of those books? In the lower what? levels, there's nothing like no, that. No, they're nonsense. Low the the same thing again and again yeah the level a books
1: really pissed me off well uh multi-syllabic
0: words like why like why like why until they get into the upper levels to me there's nothing authentic about those lower level books anyhow (laughs) all right next one reading wars (laughs) well you know what it's, it's irritating because we're still having them. <laughs> that's what's irritating. Do you have any hope that they'll end, Faith? I don't know. I think, as you said, more people are shifting to um, more uh, evidence-based practices, but there are plenty of people, you see it, plenty of people that argue about the most ridiculous things. And, I think I see it a little less
1: now. And I think that, you know, that's been... The most joyful part for me about this podcast, because I think we're a little bit different than most of those podcasts. You know, a lot of those podcasts are just SOR people. And this is a place where we're all going on a journey. Faith has been on this journey a little longer than I have. I've been on this journey. And I think we're loving, we're caring, we're knowledgeable, but we want everybody here to learn with us. And we're, you know, listening to each other. That's an amazing thing. I think that we've created a safe space where you don't have to be embarrassed on where you are in that journey. And I want to tell all of our viewers, we really, really, from the bottom of our hearts, we love you. We cherish you. We hear you. And
0: that's it. Yeah, I I agree with that. All right. So here's one pedagogy. So that's also one of those words, a college teacher education word that's still used and you know it's one of those things that's only used in education really when do you hear that word other than in ed- education
1: well oh, we hear it a lot faith we had to do these little things where we had to write what was the content what was the pedagogy and i remember years ago we were all googling oh i hope we're we know what pedagogy is oh small group instruction oh content comprehension it's a pain in the ass. There's so many words already. <laughs> we're just
0: trying to make it through our day. I know, I know. All right, so here we go. This is interesting. Transformative, a nice word like transformative. Now has ha, it has this connotation like oh that everything's going to be transformed because now we're doing it differently. So have you heard that one a lot in classrooms? Um, you know, I just hear that come up every so often, and this was from Twitter. Somebody says well, well at least it's a multisyllabic you. word. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> and here's something inquiry. Inquiry was one of those um words, and again, I don't see the problem with it, but I guess you know it, it annoys some people. Conceptual understanding. Uh maybe it's the idea that, uh, you know, you could just frame everything as this concept and not really do too much. Right. <laughs> I have a conceptual understanding. All right. Next one, uh, learnings, the word learnings, not just learning, but the learnings. I haven't heard that um, one. Okay. Uh, nuance. And that came up a couple of times, like a nuanced discussion. So um, again, seeing the different shades, maybe people feel like that's a way to get them off the hook when they see nuance. But to me, it means like we're trying to think and talk through something. But I'm just telling you what was on this list. Conflate, implement, creativity. Like these are just words, but you know what? In the context of education now, Some people find some of this irritating. What about scholars? Oh, my goodness. That's on the list. Fringy.
1: Or when people call them our babies. Yeah. They're not our babies.
0: They (laughs) are, but they're not babies. They're growing, wonderful humans. Yeah. Well, honestly, the scholars thing. If this is your well, you know what? It reminds me very much of TC Teachers College. that came from there. They walk in and it's like, "Good morning, scholars." <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't. I actually hear that
1: word in a lot of schools that are not TC schools as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it is, and you know what's triggering? Edit, it's triggering. I don't know if you use the word "scholars," it's okay. Again. Nothing personal. It's just one of those words. Hey, what did you use when you were in the classroom? Good morning, boys and girls. But now you can't say that anymore. I, I <laughs> always say friends. Good morning, friends. Yes. But I switched to that, you know, but again. But then somebody's going to say they're not your
1: friends, too. So, you yeah, know. Right.
0: Who knows? But that's how I mean, that's how long ago I went to school. <laughs> Good morning, boys and girls. But. I don't know, this idea of good morning, scholars, and um, I, I there's something about it. Okay, moving on. Asynchronous and synchronous, which, of course, oh. is now a Zoom online type of thing that just came into education because of the pandemic, right? What do you think of that? I think it's so annoying in the beginning, during COVID times, I had to Google those terms
1: over and over <laughs> again just to figure out what they mean so annoying now
0: I know because we all know but yeah right right. so being able to access something when it's not in real time right so asynchronous but I just think because that works so well for many of our struggling I I know I know so but those words did come to be popular in the last couple of years because of the pandemic and so so did
1: Google Classroom or teachers still now forever for the rest of their lives. They're going to have to set up their Google Classroom. Yeah, that's.
0: And that's probably life. still
1: go in on a snow day anyway.
0: That's like
1: pendulum swing.
0: I, I, I bet you pendulum hate it. Pendulum swings. Back. It is swinging a little bit. It's swinging. Faith, it's swinging. Oh, yeah. honestly, I'm ready for it to just swing in one direction. <laughs> It's that's it. I can't. It's funny.
1: You it. know, it's funny. I started um, teaching in 2000, and uh, that's when phonics and all that stuff was going away. So this balanced literacy business has been in business for a while because this is my 25th year in education. It's interesting. So it doesn't swing that quickly. So I hope we get it right this time. Mm-hmm. The kids are counting on us. I see more kids than ever that are struggling to learn how to read um, we got to fix this crisis. And I hope that the narrative in 2023 becomes very solution-based.
0: What do you think of 21st century
1: skills? It's so annoying. (laughs) Advanced literacies. You know what? Reading is reading, right? It's probably been reading for a very long time. Yes, we need to learn how to use the computers better and be more prepared. But you know what? Technology can be problematic when we have struggling kids in like third grade and so forth oh don't worry you'll do voice to text how about you sit down with that kid and try to have them still learn how to write the old-fashioned way with a paper and a pencil on on the paper
0: I am with you I'm with you but you know
1: these these crutches. I get it. I get it. I get it. And sometimes kids need it. And yes, some will say spelling is not as important as it used to be because they could use a
0: computer and this computer. And don't They'll even get me stuff. started with that. Don't even get me started with spell check and uh, you know keyboarding and ignoring the idea of handwriting and all the basics. But that that kind of goes through me too. Pacing guide. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? What do I think of that? I understand using one, but again, it goes back to the idea of sometimes teachers feeling just, oh, I have to just go through the pacing guide. That's right. And that is so problematic
1: with many programs. Kids sometimes need concepts retaught and You can see major shifts when you reteach concepts that were presenting difficulty using any program. But if you keep on going and the kids aren't getting it or a majority of the class is not getting it, slow the hell down. I don't care what anybody's saying. I don't care if the principal doesn't get it. Talk to the principal, talk to whoever, the leadership team. If the kids aren't getting it, we got to help them because you can't keep going on and on and on and on.
0: And then what what kind of results are you going to get? They're not going to be great. Okay, here are a few more. Love of reading. All right, the love of reading. Motivation. Turn and talk, right? That's a real teachery thing to say. Turn That's and a talk. a pain in the brain. ass. That. Pain <laughs> in the ass. You know, how many classrooms we've all been
1: in where the kids are sitting and talking to the same kid all year? Turn and talk to somebody else. But you know, it's funny. I once went to a uh, professional development with Anita Archer, and she actually had a very good idea about turn and talk. She said, instead of the kid sharing what they just said, what about you share what the other kid sitting next to you just said? So you could be a listener. Yeah. That is
0: definitely an Anita Archer thing. And I've used that too. So that's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. All right. Next one benchmarks. I knew you were gonna say that. Really? I knew it. I
1: was. I was just staring on it at it on my list all the time.
0: Benchmarks. What do you think?
1: You go first.
0: Not not irritating. What do you think? All right. So you know the word benchmark. You know
1: we know those Fontes and Pinel kits and the level literacy. But I was thinking about it a little bit today. That word didn't go away because Acadians has passages that are also, you know, what a student should be reading in second grade with the oral reading fluency right. or what a child should be reading in fourth grade. So, you know, how do we figure out, is it good? Is it bad? I don't really see yeah. things that's so bad if they're used for the right purpose.
0: Right. Well, I think probably the word benchmark coming from the benchmark, F and P benchmark right. assessments, I'm assuming, but, um, you know, it's just, does it's not a trigger for me. It's not uh, not really. I, it doesn't really bother me too much. Uh research based. Research based. So, there's evidence based and there's research based. Research based is nonsense because everything could be researched, right? Right. You're you know, faith you're
1: 100% right. You know why? If you go upstairs and look at a Cheerios box, it says, Your research. <laughs> if you eat, if you eat Cheerios, you might not have a heart attack. Great. So <laughs> now you have to accept everything that says research-based. I bet so many publishers are going to throw on that label. Oh, they, and do. Them. they
0: do. And, it, and it's meaningless. But research-based does not mean there's evidence. Anything could be researched. You know okay, but you why? Know? Tell me a little bit more
1: about that. That's very interesting to me. Well, oh, does
0: it doesn't... So I, I did some research. What does that mean? Okay, it's research-based. I did the research on this. Does it well, mean what's the that it actually yeah. does what I want it to do? You know, that's, that's kind of a cop-out, research-based. Show me something that's evidence-based. Show me where the evidence in using this is. That's a little different from research-based. I hear what you're I saying. Think. But you know what I think, though?
1: How come, or why don't we also look at what evidence teachers have? Like, if they're collecting data, how does that fall into play as well? Because that's an important piece of the puzzle, too, right? Well,
0: of course. I mean, certainly taking work samples. Is that what you mean? A child's work samples as no, evidence? Even, even looking
1: at like, for instance, a phonics data tracker. Right. And mm-hmm. you see, you know, kids have
0: difficulty with this and you're going to reteach that. Does that no, follow? No, I'm talking about a program being right. labeled as research based. That's what I'm talking about. So you could have any program out there saying, oh, it's research based. Well, you know what? That means nothing. That means absolutely nothing. Show me the evidence. That's Evidence means But how do people show evidence? The company has to show the evidence, oh, right? Of course, the evidence. The evidence has to be where they did something, where they set up a true measure, not these fake types of things. Right. Where they have the people who wrote the program. Right. I know. You what you're know. Talking. You know what I'm talking about? A Fontys and Pinnell thing, where they they do their own research. That to me is nonsense. Well, the bottom line is that all that kind of stuff is very hard for, you know, a
1: regular classroom teacher to navigate. So hopefully, you know, things are moving in the direction that schools are going to become more accountable to get the right programs in the schools. And I, and you know, it's, it's a hard process because exactly what you just said, people will stick on these labels and then, you know, right. You have to sort through it. Do you have confidence that moving into 2023 we're going to see more
0: good decisions being made by schools? Um, I think that after this year, they yeah. are going to be pressured to be a little bit more accountable. I to, hope to God um people in the community. I think with that's good the internet and with what's happening. I think it's yeah. going to be very hard. To hide. It used to be much easier to hide. Now it's getting harder. And
1: I hope that, like, as I've been saying on all the episodes, that we start looking at the entire literacy block, just not just the 30 minutes of phonics and the 10 minutes of phonemic awareness.
0: So we're going to wrap it up right here with the very last one. And this this is they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, isn't that sweet? <laughs> isn't that precious? And yeah, that I can see being an annoying term. What so, Faith, hey, let me ask you one thing. Yes. I want to end
1: on a really positive. Yes. What's your favorite, favorite word of the year?
0: Uh, my favorite word of the year in literacy? Yeah. Yeah. I guess my favorite word would be, well, actually it's a phrase. How about that? Wow.
1: I can't wait. Wait. Can I blow my horn? Because I'm so excited. Ta-da-da. Here it goes. Just do it. <laughs> a thousand percent. It's like the Nike commercial. A
0: hundred. Just do it. Stop with the excuses. Just do it. Get. Let, let's just do this. I'm tired of talking about this. That's why this list is so irritating because we do a lot of talking about it and we have to start getting it into the schools, getting it into the hands of teachers in a practical way, instead of it sounding like it's just out of reach. That's my last thought. What about you? What's your favorite? My fa- Well, mine,
1: unfortunately, is one of the words on the list. Best practices. I just it okay. just well, for you me it's just, because I know the reality. I know that some schools did not adopt evidence based programs yet. I know there's people out there that are like, "Oh my god! I know this isn't the right program for the kids." And what do I do? So I'm a solutions based person. Think about the research. If the program says, "Look at the picture," no more looking at it. Sliding through words at points of difficulty, and do the best that you can. Print out resources. We love you, teachers. We love
0: you, fans. We love all of you. I hope everyone had a good time with us. And I hope no one takes offense. Honestly, we're laughing about all of this. And it's um, not meant to hurt anybody's feelings. We just wanted to have a little fun tonight. So look, Judy. You stick to the label, centrist. You like it. You stick to your best practices. Who knows what's going to happen? That's why this is the literacy view.
1: (laughs) That's right. And we want to hear from all of you. Thank you all for, you know, jotting down your ideas. Thank you. for We love you. We really love you. And we're getting to know our literacy community. And I think that
0: all together, we're going to make great things happen. All right. So happy new year, everyone. Happy and healthy new year. And last one. (laughs) All right. Goodbye, everyone. Good night. Follow us on Facebook.